for a lot of you, you're maybe thirsty for this. Maybe you've always kind of been like, just where do I start? I want to get more in depth than a youth walk, but how do I dive into the Bible? And so what do I do? But here's the thing. Still, I would give three reasons to that issue, to that argument, to that issue of like, I don't know, I'd rather watch TV. The Bible just seems boring. Well, here's three reasons why I think you should regularly dive into God's Word. Number one, it will deepen your relationship with God. It will deepen your relationship with God. You're like, I don't have a relationship with God. Well, so it might start it. Hopefully it will start it. But it will, in a sense, bring you closer to God. You're certainly not getting there by watching more TV. So it will deepen your relationship with God. Secondly, it will lead to a more meaningful life. It will lead to a more meaningful life. Now, I didn't say a better life. You start reading your Bible, your life may get worse. It may. You continue not reading your Bible, your your life may get worse. But it will give you more meaning in life. I guarantee you that. There are gobs and gobs of people that do not have a reason. They don't know... uh, they don't know what they're here on earth for. They don't know what, the, what their purpose is. Um, it will lead to a more meaningful life. Thirdly, it will satisfy you, in a sense. It will satisfy you. It will at least satisfy you more than other things do. Um, I don't know the, time, the amount of times that I've gotten done with like just time with the Lord and reading the Bible where I'm like, oh, I'm so frustrated. I hate this. I, it will satisfy you. It will certainly satisfy you more than a TV show, more than watching a rerun of The Big Bang Theory. It will. You get done with that show and you're like, what was I doing? It will satisfy you. Big Bang Theory? No one? Come on, I don't watch it. I just, it's on. It's on like all the time. Okay, now before we talk about some right ways to get into God's Word, I want to talk um, real quick kind of about some like some negative approaches. Now, real quick, first of all, here's one thing I find it interesting. Getting a Bible, getting one. I'm going to go buy a Bible. Getting a Bible is a lot like getting a treadmill. Um, And I know the treadmill illustration is vastly overused, but I'm using it because getting a Bible is awesome. Getting a Bible is quite exciting. I could take any one of you to parables and say, you can buy any Bible in the whole store, and you would really have a good time with that. Like, oh, can I get a big one or a small one or the one with the cross on it or the, like, true tone or two-tone or whatever that word means? And there's like three colors. There's Bibles in there that are like $150. And you'd be like, I don't know why it's different, but I want this one because it's 150 bucks. You would love that. If you've gotten a Bible in the past three years, and a lot of you have, it was a good time, wasn't it? You tried to pick one out. But, but, buying, getting the Bible is, is not really the most important part, is it? Opening the Bible, using the Bible is, an, is the most important part of getting the Bible. And so, treadmill, anyone here have a treadmill somewhere in your house, most likely in your basement, that never gets used, ever? Yeah, every, a lot of people do. My in-laws do, my parents do. You know what? Listen, it was probably a good time going to pick out that treadmill. Or should we get this one, honey, or should we get this one? And this one has, I don't know, 10 speeds. And this. But then you don't use it, and it sits in your basement. It's, it's the best illustration ever. So, you guys, a lot of Bibles are like treadmills. And if we're honest, they're worthless if you never use them. They are worthless. Oh, look at my Bible. It's nice and it's pretty and it's right here on the shelf. Will you look at it? Mm, I never open it. All right, so incomplete approaches to God's Word. You got, everyone got an outline? 
Because I want you to fill these in. You, in fact, have all the uh, explanations already. You just don't have the names for them. So I've got seven of them here. Incomplete approaches. Number one, the osmosis approach. Simply placing ourselves close to the Bible a lot, thinking we'll soak up its truth with, with as little effort as possible. Um, I did this for a while. It's like sitting right there on your nightstand or whatever, and as you go to sleep at night, you're like, seep into my brain, seep. I never read you. Osmosis. Secondly, the Jeopardy approach. This is classic. This was mine too. Approaching the Bible primarily to know random content and to master facts. Some of you are still like, wait, what? That's not why you're supposed to read the Bible? Just to like learn stuff? Um, it's okay. That's good to learn stuff and to learn facts. But not that it's not, it's, uh, it's not the best. It's... Thirdly, the Hallmark card approach. The Hallmark card approach. Looking to Scripture just for inspiration rather than, rather than truth that we should submit and conform to. It's just sweet and nice, and um, this verse shows up on my coffee cup, and so I like to read it every morning or something. Number four, the magic pill approach. The magic pill approach. Approaching God's word only in times of crisis and personal need. That's very, very common. Anyone been there? I've been there. Oh, dang it. This, like, horrible thing happened. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I never do it in good times, but pop the pill. Number five, the mountaintop approach. Mountaintop approach, looking to the Bible only for the high it gives you at certain times while missing that the whole journey is part of the experience. Some of us, we only want the, the emotional and the, the highs and the, I don't know, like the cool experience stuff. Now, again, that's good, but it's not the only thing. And if that's all you're going after, it's misguided. Um, number six, the Mary Kay approach. Mary Kay approach. Anyone here? Mothers, do you sell Mary Kay? Buy Mary Kay? Reading God's word simply to help us look good on the outside without allowing it to penetrate our hearts. Just going to make you look good. It's all external. And number seven, the microwave approach. The microwave approach. The what's in it for me? How fast can I get it? So you're like, yeah, I read the Bible. Like, I read it for a whole minute this morning. I read a verse. It was awesome. Um, And maybe that's a start. Maybe you need to start there. So, all right. I mean, which of these, honestly, and these are kind of caricatures, but which of these are you most prone to fall into? Which of these are you most prone to fall into? I fell into, I was the Jeopardy approach by far. I loved all the, like, random facts and stuff. I knew I could pass that Bible quiz. Ace it. It was, I was awesome. Now, again, I already said this, but... In almost all of these, you guys, in almost all of these, there's an element of good. It is good to know facts about the Bible. It is, that like experiential, like you experiencing God, that is huge. And I hope that every one of you can have that experience. Tonight. Maybe that was at, like, at a retreat some year, at a choir of the fire, at summer camp when you were younger. That's huge, but they're not the only thing. Um, if that becomes the primary goal, you're missing something, okay? So that's kind of why I, I throw those out there. So, okay, um, if that's the case, if you're like, Brad, well, if it's not all of these things, if it's not the Jeopardy approach, then why, why do we study the Bible? Why should we dive into it? If these aren't the point, what is it? What is the main point? So we're going to look up a couple verses, and I want to start by, grab your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, if you've got an app, I'm cool with apps. You guys and your smartphones, 
I had a smartphone. I do, but I, we couldn't afford it. So I have an iPhone and it has no service. That Bible app's pretty awesome, though. Mark chapter 1. I digress. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. These first two, I mean, these are pretty short little passages. We're going to go to a couple of them. Are just interesting things about what Jesus did. So Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Jesus just gets done healing a lot of people, driving out demons. And it says, verse 35, very early in the morning. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house where he left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Um, Jesus, Jesus did this. Now, Jesus didn't have a Bible. He couldn't grab his own little personal Bible because it wasn't printed yet. But he got alone and spent time with his heavenly Father, and that is what filled him up. And he did it often. But read the next verse. So he's off by himself praying. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Have you ever had a time where everyone's looking for you? I don't, you maybe probably haven't. Maybe that's not going to, maybe on your wedding day, there'll be a moment where everybody is looking for you. And Jesus, at a time when apparently everybody is looking for him, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm right here. I'm, pray, I'm just praying by myself. What? Everyone needs me? You know what I need to do? I need to pray more than anything. And if the Son of God needs to get alone and pray, then we most definitely do. But he models this. And there's lots of things that Jesus did that we can't do, okay? We can't heal people of their sicknesses. But Jesus could. But he did this, and this, I think, is telling about um, just what we need to do. Flip over to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. This is kind of the same story. It says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus... He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He's the son of God. And he's on this earth getting by himself to pray. And it says he withdrew to lonely places. You guys, finding a place where you spend time with the Lord is a huge part of it. You need to have a place. Is it your bedroom? Is it your basement? Is it Where can you get alone and pray? Um, John 17, flip one more to the right. This is the last one I'll have you guys look up. John 17, verses 1 through 3. John chapter 17 is a whole chapter of Jesus praying. Um, apparently, I believe he's in the Garden of Gethsemane at this point, and this is at least as much as the, of the prayer that the, the disciples overheard. I take it in, in, verse, or in chapter 18, Jesus is arrested. So this is right before he goes to the cross. And he starts, it says, After Jesus said this, he looked up toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. And then he says this, now this is eternal life, and he defines it. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that they may know you. So Jesus here is saying, what's the definition of eternal life? Here's eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ and having a relationship with God. He basically equates the two. If you think you have eternal life but don't know God, 
like on a relation, like on a personal level. It didn't say about. It's not talking about knowing about God or knowing of God, or I believe that God exists. That word "know" means like intimacy. In fact, I think in the Old Testament that word "know" is talking about sexual relations. Whoa, to know someone. Mary was pregnant, but she had never known a man. And it's not talking about like knowing God. Anyway, this is eternal life that they made. It's deep intimacy. It's talking about an intimate, deep relationship. Do you know God? Do you have a relationship with Him? Okay, real quick. Don't you don't have to turn to these. They're going to be on the screens. Acts seventeen. This is awesome. So this is beyond Jesus. Says he's been crucified. He was buried. He rose again. He's ascended into heaven. And Paul is traveling around. The disciples are um, just on, on their missionary journeys. This is talking about Paul. Acts 17, he's talking to the Bereans, and it says, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness, and get this, examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They're like, we're not going to take Paul's word for it. We're going to examine the scriptures. That's awesome. That's what you guys should do anywhere. To any pastor, don't take my word for it. Don't just listen to what Brad says. Examine the scriptures, and that's what they did. That's another reason. That's what we're trying to answer here. Why should we, why should we dive into God's word? Well, examine the, the scriptures, see what's true. Last one. Famous verse, coffee cup verse. I realize I'm taking verses out of context here a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. This is a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. And uh, it says this, All scripture is God-breathed. All scripture. God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Um. So there's lots of different reasons. There's lots of different reasons to study the Bible. Here's what I'm saying. Don't miss this. And I'd love for you to write this down. There's no, there's no room on the back of that with all those other things. Maybe write this on the front of your note sheet if you have it. We study God's word to know God's truth. That's true. And that's actually, that's, that's essential. We study God's word to know God's truth. But more than that, to know God. Mostly to know God. To have a relationship with God. To have a deep Lasting, satisfying relationship with him. The goal is worship. When we talk a lot, I really hope you see maybe a difference than, uh, a difference than other churches that you've grown up going to or go to. I hope your church talks about having a personal relationship with God. I know this one does. But it's not even, it's not just like your relationship with your dog. This is the God of the universe. So it's not just about a relationship, it's about worship. He's he's your savior, he's your master. Who are you worshiping? Spend time with him in order to worship him. But we study God's word to know God's truth, but more than that, to know God and to have a deep, lasting, satisfying relationship with him. Now, we're in another time. Some Bible study basics. So on that outline, here's a couple more things. When you read any passage of scripture... Here are three basic things you need to include. And this is, this is in depth. This is maybe a little too like, wah, wah. But how many of you are in AP classes right now? AP? Honors? Anyone raise your hand if you're in an honors class? Lots of you. If you can handle AP classes and honors classes, you can handle teaching on a Wednesday night at Brookside. Number one, you study any passages of, of the Bible, observation. Step number one, observation. What does the passage say? And maybe that's a like, duh, but it needs to be said. What does the passage say? So who's the author or who's speaking at that time? 
Is a, is a prophet like speaking the words of God? Is he writing down the words of God? Who's it written to? Um, what's the topic? What's being said? Are there pronouns? Who do those pronouns refer to? You can fill up a whole page of observations on one verse. I guarantee you you can. You could write 50 things on one verse. Are there any figures of speech? Is there a metaphor? Is there hyperbole? What don't you understand? And so maybe you take a notebook piece of paper and you write down observations and you list a whole bunch of observations. But that's a start. Secondly, interpretation. Interpretation. Meaning, what does the passage mean? This is what it says, but what does it mean? There's a lot of Bible study methods out there that skip this step. They go straight from observation to application, which is point three, by the way. But they skip interpretation. But what does the passage mean? This is primarily about context. Gobs and gobs of gobs of people, some of you in here, love to pull a verse out and say, see, the Bible is stupid and God is stupid because this is in the Old Testament. And you don't understand the context. Or you missed what we said last week about making sure you interpret the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament and how Jesus redefines things. Make sure you understand the context. Um, what genre is it in? Do you know that word genre? It's a great word. You need to learn it. Genre means are you reading a narrative? Are you reading a history book? Are you reading poetry? Wisdom? Uh, is it a prophecy? Did I say that one already? Is it um, a parable? Do you know what you're reading? Where does this fit in the overall big picture story of redemption? Okay, application finally. Application, how does this passage apply to us today? How does this passage apply to us today? Is there a command here for me to follow? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there um, a character here that I should be like or not be like, perhaps? Is there a promise to memorize? Okay, now I don't have a lot of time left, but I want to give you three methods before we close. Three methods. Um, there's tons of Bible study methods you can use. I have a book in my office. If anyone's, anyone wants to borrow it, there's like 30 of them. And it's in-depth. Here's three um, categories. First of all, I'll call them devotional booklets or books. Um, this is essentially, you grab a youth walk. Some of you have done this forever. When I started reading the Bible every day, is because I found one of these, like I said. I found one of these in our youth room, and I started using it. Youth walks are great. They're not terribly long. They're not terribly in-depth. They're not dated. I wish they were. But there's five. There's five for every week. Um, four weeks in a month. Some weeks have five. Um, some actual months have five weeks. In the youth walk, there's only four weeks worth. Um, our Daily Bread, uh, Men of Integrity, which is this Campus Crusade, or uh, it's some kind of men's one. Uh, there's gobs of them. Table talk. Anyway, they're more like booklets. Have anyone ever heard of My Utmost for His Highest? Um, Oswald Chambers. There's actual books. These are great, and they're a great place to start. Secondly, um, Bible reading plans. Bible reading plans are terribly popular right now. So read through a Bible in a year, or even, you know, many of you maybe have one-year Bibles. Um, that's a, the version thing. version is awesome. If you have a Bible app on your phone, it's most likely the version Bible app. If you don't have a smartphone, go to Bible.com. It's an awesome site. It's clean. It's great. It's just well done. There are tons of plans on there. There's plans for students. Um, for some of you that are all over the computer, that's perfect for you. You guys, for high school students, I don't, I, 
I don't recommend a reading a Bible through the year plan. I don't think you should be trying to read through the whole Bible in a year. That's about four chapters a day. Um, when you get older, that's great. For some of you adults in here, maybe you're doing that. That's awesome. But when you're in high school, you don't understand maybe half the stuff you're reading. So you got to go slower. Um, and then finally, uh, Soren, do you have that thing in the back? I want to pass out. And some of you leaders in the back, um, Carly or Jen, all you guys may be sitting by the tech booth. Will you help pass out? There's this whole stack um, and I'm not going to have time to go through it. I want everybody in here to get this handout that's going out. This is just one page. Um, this, I just call it how to have a prayer life, how to have a quiet time. There's four steps. Um, this is what, what's being handed out. This is what I've been using, and I love it. Love it, love it, love it. I think it's the best thing that I've found, and I, like, I go after this stuff. I research this stuff. I'm all over it. Now, if you get this and you're like, this seems complicated, Start with a youth walk. Go to Bible.com and pick a plan. There's like, some of those plans are five-day plans. Um, But here's the thing. That last thing on your outline, you must have a plan. Will you fill that in? You must have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you fail. You will fail. You will not carry this out. You will not ever read your Bible. Now again, you guys listen to me. Look at me real quick. Pick a place, pick a time, pick a plan. Pick a place, pick a time, pick a plan. Um, for many of you, maybe it's right before you go to bed. I'd like you to tra- try to train yourself not to do that. You know why? Because you will remember very, very little of what you end your day with. Now, maybe you're like, not me, I remember it. That's okay. You're the exception. Um, I understand that some of you get to school by 7.30 or earlier. So maybe getting up early is not, is not doable. But maybe it is. Maybe all you have to do is set your alarm 15 minutes earlier and you can actually get up. You're like, I don't have time. You make time for what you want to make time for. If you're watching the Big Bang Theory, you have time. All right? Don't tell me I don't have time. Whatever you prioritize the most you make time for. And I think this rises to the top. Um, did everybody get one of those? Allie, can I see yours real quick? Oh, hello. Same thing on both, both sides. Real quick, you look at the side that's just half a sheet. At the very top, it says the method and the overview. And on the other side is the details. The detail starts with Choose the book of the Bible to go through. First, slowly read a section of the Bible a few times. But this is awesome. There's questions on it. This number one Bible study part in the A, B, C, and D is awesome. I love Evernote. Evernote is an app. Evernote is a program you can download on your computer. Um, wonderful. Type it out. I get up in the morning. I fall asleep if I don't write things down. Writing, writing things down keeps me awake, as does a cup of coffee. Um, Maybe you need to start drinking some. It's worth it to get into the Bible. So, basically the same thing on both sides. If you want an overview, the half side sheet or the half page, that little thing at the top um, gives you a little overview. Let me pray. Father God, um, Lord, I, I know I didn't do this topic justice. God, you've, you've given us your word. Um, God, this guy, uh, is it John Wycliffe? 
God, there were people, this Wycliffe guy, God, who first translated the Bible into English, was killed, was, was murdered, was basically martyred because he, he put the Bible into English so that the modern person could read it. Father, we are privileged to be able to go to a bookstore and to have the written word of God in front of us. God, even we go beyond as Protestants, the Catholic Church that says you have to have a priest to be a mediator, and we're saying, no, 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 Christ was our mediator. And we mean no disrespect to the Catholic Church. I love my Catholic brothers and sisters, but Lord, I'm so thankful that I don't need to go to a priest, that I can come directly before you and pray. And God, for some of us, that's maybe a dangerous thing, so God, I pray that we would stay true to your word. God, I pray that we would stick with observation and then interpretation and then application, that we would not just say, I think the Bible means this, but God, that we would seek out the actual, what the Bible actually means, what it actually says. God, help us to be men and women that live by the Bible. God, not to, not to beat up other people because we know more than they do, but God, that we may worship you, be changed by you. God, that we would be more willing to reach out to others because we know the love that you showed to us on the cross. So God, I pray that we would choose a plan, that we would pick a place and a time we would start doing this. And God, I know not everyone in this room would, but God, I pray that they would try. God, this discipline changed my life, and it's changed multiple people's, people in here's lives. I can't even tell. So God, I pray that these students would try it. I pray that we would, and I pray that you'd help us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.